This is Trek FM. Telling frequencies open, this is your Trek FM Hyper Channel for Wednesday, June 18th, 2014. I'm Christopher Jones, and we have two stories for you today. 3D printer heading to the International Space Station, and IDW releases The City on the Edge of Forever, Part 1. First up, we've been hearing a lot about 3D printers recently. In fact, we know many people using them. And in August, this seeming predecessor to the replicator will be taking to the stars as Made in Space since the first additive manufacturing technology, which is the official fancy way to say 3D printer, up to the ISS. Now, the purpose of sending the printer into space is to test the technology's ability to function in zero gravity. And while aboard the ISS, the printer will build 21 demonstration parts. These are test coupons, other parts, and tools. And if the printer meets expectations, the technology could potentially be used to produce spare parts on demand, making space travel safer during emergency situations, as well as making the station less dependent on resupply trips. Pending the success of this test of the printer, a larger model will be sent in 2015 in order to establish a permanent 3D printing station called the Additive Manufacturing Facility. I'm just going to call it AMF, or maybe AMF. Let's go over to the AMF. Get what you need right there. It's kind of like a Home Depot in space. That's what it sounds like. But no, this is a cool idea. You know, actually, when I think about it, at least here in Japan, I remember seeing at least a year ago, maybe longer, a news story where they were printing parts like this, and they were specifically talking about using it on the International Space Station. And I don't know what the relationship is to this story, although there are three different news stories that we've looked at to prepare our story today. And some of them do go back to around the middle of last year. So that might be what I'm thinking of. But it was really a great idea. I mean, you can imagine if you need a screw or you need a wrench of a certain size and you're on the space station, well, you can't just go pick one up. So being able to print one like this is absolutely what we need in terms of technology to help us get out into space and be more self-sufficient, especially when you don't have Scotty on the station who can, you know, figure it out for you somehow by being a miracle worker. Now, this 3D printer builds solid objects layer by layer, and the made-in-space 3D printer is cleared for microgravity missions aboard the ISS. And Made in Space had Rod Roddenberry visit a while back to see the printer. And of course, Rod told it, T. Earl Grey hot. Now, there's no word on whether it actually made him a cup of tea. But if you'll remember a story that I shared with you a week or two ago, they actually are not Made in Space necessarily, but other companies actually are working on 3D printers that print food. So who knows, maybe Rod can in fact get his T. Earl Grey hot sometime in the future. We'll put a link in the show notes to this article, uh, to the one over on discovery.com, because they have some pictures over there that you can see as well. 
And let us know what you think about it. What other advantages can you think of for a 3D printer on a space station? What kind of advantages does it give the crew, apart from the obvious here of printing parts on demand? And a big question, do you think this technology would even exist if it hadn't been for Star Trek? Replicators are obviously the inspiration for 3D printers and for this technology. So do you think we would have gotten there if Star Trek had never existed? Let me know. You can find me on Twitter. My username is C Brian Jones, the letter C and Brian with a Y. You can also find me on Facebook with that username as well. And I'm everywhere in social media with that username. So uh, hit me up. Let me know what you think. Next, this one I'm really excited about. On April 6th, 1967, The City on the Edge of Forever aired and became one of the most famous Star Trek episodes of all time. But while this tale of time travel and altered futures is amazing, it isn't quite the story that Harlan Ellison wrote. Now, most Star Trek fans know this already, that Ellison wrote one story and went back and forth with Gene Roddenberry about it and with others on TOS about it. And the episode that we saw is quite different from what he wrote. Now, the actual script has been available for quite a number of years as a book, but IDW has been working together with Harlan Ellison to bring us a graphic novel adaptation of the original script. Now, we've reported on this story in the past, especially on literary treks, where we talk about Star Trek books and comics every single week, Matthew Rushing and I do. And we've been eagerly awaiting this book to come out. And the first part is out now. I've read it, and it's great. It's The artwork is amazing. It's a very different style from what we're accustomed to, especially in the current IDW Star Trek comics. This style is just completely different. But of course, living in Japan, I'm accustomed to graphic novels and manga, not just what people think of as comic books, you know, often in the States. And so this style is perfectly, uh, I'm accustomed to it, and I think it's great. And I think it really fits the style of the script very, very well. The likenesses of Kirk and Spock and others are incredible. Uh, It's not photorealistic, but it's so accurate. I mean, you really think William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy are here on the page. Very, very nicely done. And the story, I mean, right from the very first frame, you know that this is not the city on the edge of forever that we saw on television. I'm not going to tell you what happens because I don't want to spoil it for you if you don't already know. But I highly recommend that you pick this up. And now it's going to be hard to be patient waiting for the next parts in the miniseries to come out until we get to the end of it. And then, of course, I'm looking forward to actually really digging into it and reviewing it on literary treks. But Because of the nature of the story, I think that we will wait until all the parts are out, and then we'll do a feature on it. So it's going to be a little bit, before we get to that, we might share our basic thoughts on it on Literary Treks in a week or so when Matthew is back. But what Chris Rael, who is IDW's Chief Creative Officer and Editor-in-Chief, said about the project is... 
Presenting Harlan Ellison's brilliant original script for City on the Edge has been a goal of ours since IDW first began publishing Star Trek comics in 2007. The episode justifies its position atop best Star Trek episodes lists, but even it ain't nothing, and that's exactly how his quote is written, even it ain't nothing compared to what Ellison did in his original teleplay. This is truly going to be a Star Trek adventure unlike any other, even to fans who have that beloved episode memorized. And having read the first issue, I have to agree with him. I think that they're really onto something here. And it's going to be really exciting to see how it turns out. Now, the adaptation of the teleplay is being done by Scott and David Tipton, who anyone who reads Star Trek comics for, for a number of years now knows. They've written many of the greats and other things as well. They are a real giants of the comic world. And they've done a great job with the adaptation here in part one. Interior art is by J.K. Woodward. Special cover by Juan Ortiz. And of course, if you go to StarTrek.com anytime in the past year, you've seen all of Juan Ortiz's posters that he's done for original series episodes. I have to say, though, I'm kind of mixed on Ortiz's posters. Some of them I think are brilliant, and some of them I just don't really get. And that's me as a designer myself as well. But but he does great work, and he's done a fantastic job on the cover for the first issue of The City on the Edge of Forever. It's really, really a very cool cover that looks like it came right out of the 1960s. It's even got weathered edges around the sides. Very, very nice cover. In fact, I want a poster of it to put here in the studio. Uh, Variant covers are by Paul Shipper, and this issue sells for $3.99. It's available digitally through Comixology or the Star Trek Comics app, which is how I got mine. Or, of course, you can get the print versions as well. And there are various different covers. If you get the print versions, you uh, might be able to pick up uh, either Ortiz's cover or Shipper's cover. So go check it out. I highly recommend it. Great job so far. And once you pick it up and you read it, let me know what you think about it. I really do want to hear what you think about this compared to the episode. Now I have a network update for you to close out the show. It's Wednesday, and that means The Ready Room, our general news and discussion show where we look at all five live-action Star Trek series. And this week we're back around to Deep Space Nine. We rotate through the series on that show. If you don't know, we start with TOS, we go all the way through Enterprise, and then we come back. So this week we're on Deep Space Nine, and I'm joined by John Mills of Words with Nerds podcast. He's co-hosting with me. And joining us are Alice Baker of the Educating Geeks podcast and Daniel Handlin, who you've heard on the network before. And we're discussing the fifth season episode, Rapture, one of my absolute favorite DS9 episodes and really Star Trek episodes in general. And we talk about Cisco's gradual acceptance of his role in the Bajoran religion, Starfleet's discomfort with having a captain walk amongst an alien society as a god. We get a rare glimpse into a not fully evil Kaiwen. We also have a chapter in the discussion called The Extraneous Cassidy Yates. I have to say it like Avery Brooks, Cassidy Yates. 
So you can find out what that's all about. And we also ponder why admirals in Star Trek can't act. So tune in to this discussion and find out what we have to say about Rapture. It's a pivotal episode. It really is one of the linchpins. It's what sets the series into motion from that point forward to the end. And Cisco's journey as the emissary in particular. And we get to see a unique Kai win in this episode as well. So you'll find this in your feeds right now if you subscribe to the individual show feed for The Ready Room or to the Trek of Film Complete Master Feed. You can also catch it through your favorite podcast source, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Swell, BlackBerry, SoundCloud, wherever it is. Look up Trek.fm or the name of the show and you'll find us there. You can go to our website and stream from the webpage as well. And we have RSS links, so you can grab those and put those into podcasting applications like Instacast or Downcast or whatever you use to listen to your shows. Well, that's our look at the news for today. If you're streaming Hyper Channel from our website... Remember, you can have it delivered directly to the device of your choice. I'd love if you went and subscribed to it in iTunes. That helps us out, actually, and it makes it really easy for you to get the show every day. And you'll also find it in the Trek of Film Complete Master Feed. You'll also find every episode of every show that we do in that Master Feed. So that's a great thing to subscribe to as well if you want to find out what we're talking about all across the network. Now, as I mentioned after each story today, I would love to chat with you about these stories or anything in the world of Star Trek. You can find me in social media under the username C. Brian Jones, the letter C and Brian with a Y. Find me on Twitter. Find me on Facebook. Let's chat there. You can find the network on Twitter as well. Our username is Trek FM. On Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash Trek FM. On Google Plus, search communities for Trek.fm and you'll find us. We also have forums on our website, trek.fm slash forums. We have a contact form, trek.fm slash contact. That one comes directly to me by email if you choose to send to a show and choose Hyperchannel. And also on the show page on our website, look in the left sidebar and you'll see a widget there that lets you send us a voicemail just using your webcam's microphone or the mic on your mobile device. So choose whichever method is best for you and uh, get in touch with me. I really would like to hear from you. Well, thanks for listening again today. I hope your week is going well, and I'll be back with you tomorrow with some more stories. And until then, go watch some Trek. Trek.